<laughs> You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hey, One of Us Network listeners, this is Trevor from the Nighthawks podcast, invading your space to ask you to give us a spin if you like movies. And I'm Matt, joining Trevor to ask you to join our cult. May not be a cult. Probably a cult. On the Nighthawks podcast, we cover new movies, old movies, great movies, bad movies, so bad they're good movies. And we cover movies from Norway. One movie from Norway, one time. So far. And it was a really good movie from Norway. It is a good movie from Norway. It's got Stellan Skarsgård. Matt, this is a promo for our podcast, the Nighthawks podcast. Do you want people to listen to the podcast, or do you want them to watch In Order of Disappearance? Wasn't that the point of covering In Order of Disappearance on the podcast, to get people to watch it? Fair enough. Watch In Order of Disappearance, and then afterwards listen to our Nighthawks podcast episode on it, or you could listen to an episode on any of the over 120 other movies we've covered. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, and at nighthawkspodcast.com. You know, every once in a while, there's a movie that just slips past us on its initial release, especially with horror, because sometimes they get these real limited releases, even when they have some big name stars, at least within the world of horror, in them. And one of those is, in fact, this movie we're talking about today, The Call. Okay, this came out actually in theaters last October. I mean, I guess super limited because how many theaters were even open last October? And then it's already out on Blu-ray. It's already out on VOD. The Call's one I'm like, okay, I'm just now finding out about because it's dropping on Shudder. All right, so we normally don't do that, but we completely missed this. It's got Lynn Shay in it. It's got Tobin Bell in it. I'm like, I kind of want to see this fucking thing. And we do, like a lot of our watchers, like they're not going out and buying the Blu-ray of this thing, but they will watch stuff if we say it's good and it's on Shutter. So what the hell? Let's answer the call. Sorry, man. Wrong number. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, was it. (laughs) I really wish I had just let this go to voicemail. Well, there's a reason I had missed it the first time around, that they had never sent me any sort of notice about this on any level, because The Call is one of those films that really wants to feel like a movie that would have came out around 85, 86, with that set in the 80s, very, very neon look. It's not a monster film, but everything in here in style is so utterly and completely lifted from another 80s movie, but not good ones. Like, this is a guy who seemed to have made a movie who said, oh, no, man, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 is the best of the series. (laughs) (laughs) This is a guy who goes, I think the best horror movie ever made is Flatliners. (laughs) But let's talk about this. Joining me on this discussion is Luane. God damn it. (laughs) And Adrian. I'm going to say it right now that this is actually my fault. Because when this was on the Screener Squad, on the list, only two people were on it. And that was you and you. And I thought, 
Lewayne likes horror movies and talking about them. Let me be a nice guy and join this movie I've never heard of, so that way we could get a greenlit to review, and I should have never done that. I wish you had not been as altruistic as you are, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> be a little more selfish next time. Yeah. All right. So this is directed by Timothy Woodward Jr. Uh, the story here follows Chris, played by Chester Rushing. He is just moved into this town. He ends up becoming friends with local hot girl, but bad girl Tanya, played by Aaron Sanders. They kind of meet while they're waiting to have a meeting with the principal in high school, even though both of them clearly are past college age, it appears. She's got an ex-boyfriend, Zach, played by Mike Manning, who's kind of the town bullyish type guy, but he's not like Chet or anything. He's a bully. He's just not very good at being a bully, I guess. He's just an asshole. He's, he still wants to fuck her, but he also still kind of, I guess, doesn't have any other friends. So he'll say something bullyish and then she'll be like, why don't you shut the fuck up? And he's like, oh. <laughs> uh, and then his little brother, Brett, played by Sloan Morgan Siegel, they're at a carnival. You should come with us. We're going to go to this lady, Edith Cranston, played by Lynn Shay, the great Lynn Shay. Apparently, she ran a babysitting service, like a home nursery care type thing for preschool kids. And Tanya's little sister disappeared from there, and they never found any evidence to convict Lin Shay, but or Edith, but everyone knows she did it. And so they go in their middle of the night and they start throwing shit through her windows and like yelling at her. And as they're running off, they run into her. And she has a one scene in this film that was in the trailer made me go, wow, maybe this will be good of Lynn Shay just acting her fucking ass off going basically, you kids, you leave me alone. And she's kind of crying, but also screaming. And it's like a cool scene from her part. Everybody doesn't think anything of it, but then that night, Edith hangs herself and leaves her husband, Edward, played by Tobin Bell, Jigsaw from the Saw movies, to invite them, all of the kids who were there that night, to her house. And they all come in, and it's a big, crazy, Victorian, gothic-looking place. And he's like, here's the deal. I know you may think this is crazy, but Edith left you $100,000 in her will for y'all to split up. And all you have to do to get it is walk all the way up to the top floor of the house one at a time and call this number next to this phone and talk to the person on the other end. They were like, who's the person on the other end? It's like, well, we put a phone in Edith's grave, which once again, this is in the 80s, so I'm not sure how that worked. It's cordless. It's fine. And, and she'll talk to you. And they're like, okay, whatever, crazy person. It's like, yeah, once you've done, the door will open to the outside. You can just leave. And the next morning, you will get your money in your bank account. Not sure how that works either automatically how did he get their bank account information so one at a time they take the run up to the phone and what we see is that's when the film decides it wants to be the 1990 movie flatliners with Kiefer sutherland and julia roberts the horror as they pick up the phone it is indeed her sends them into sort of a nightmare on elm streetish dream world but where they're being tormented by their own memories of things from the past that they feel guilty about or bad shit that they did some of which we kind of knew about ahead of time some of which is kind of revealed as it goes along the premise of the call the dead woman in the grave is cool. I was like, that's a cool idea. This is a neat setup. I wonder what they're going to do with this. And the answer is absolutely nothing you haven't seen before that was more interesting when it was done before, but wasn't very good even then. There's so much nothing in this movie that the first two people who are like, all right, I'm going to answer the phone. Let's go through this. They have the exact same trauma 
Only one of them is right. like, well, let's add this clown for no real good reason. <laughs> right. The implication seems to be, this is a vengeance thing. Okay, great. But like, just showing them ugly shit that happened to them in their life? Okay. Not great to relive trauma, but doesn't seem particularly vengeful. It's almost like the idea was to expose how evil they really were, and then it turns out, well, no, they're not. The first couple are victims of the cycle of violence. The third one was a dumb kid who made a dumb decision. An accident happened, and only one of them is literally not evil, but like actually did something really overtly wrong. And once you get that reveal, you're like, why is any of the rest of this happening? Because it's very clear that once you have that reveal, you know that anybody could have gone to any authority and probably said, hey, there's this thing I've noticed that might lead you down this path on this case with this missing person. And instead, we have this thing. Stupid excuse for plot. If you watch a lot of movies and you're familiar with script construction at any level, there's only one way this thing is going to play out in terms of the big question that the movie completely doesn't address till the last, like, ten minutes at all, which is basically, well, did she kill the little sister? The fact that they are completely ignoring the discussion on that it's pretty easy to figure out well there's only one possible answer of what happened here and when they do it it doesn't feel very satisfying or interesting and it kind of devalues a lot the, the very end of the film where you're like oh okay because there's one character in here who's truly a good and kind of heroic guy and who's being punished as well because he was out on the wrong night with the wrong people he makes a decision based of altruism that he's punished for I found the whole thing baffling. I really did. And like I said, the only credit I can give at all is to Lynn Shay, who I think as little as she's actually in this movie is great when she is in it. But everything else is just so derivative and dumb. There's like the extended boiler room sequences. There's like every kill is like not even on camera kills are just like, meh. And as Adrian pointed out, who the fuck turned the contrast up to 11 on this whole fucking movie? Oh my god, oh, I plugged my laptop into my TV, and I was thinking, well, I hope it's not that. Like, I hope I'm seeing the movie in the way that it's supposed to be seen. Unfortunately, that is the case, because this movie is dark as shit, and not even dark, like, thematically. There are <laughs> several scenes where it's like, I do not even know what's going on on screen right now. And I don't know if that's to hide just kind of generic makeup effects. The evil version of everybody is just like, oh, I got a little bit of mud in my mouth and yeah, some chocolate yeah. syrup and some like black eyes. But let's knock out the two really good things about this movie. And that's maybe being too nice. But Tobin Bell and Lin Shay, as we mentioned, they're the only two who I feel like even gave a shit. The actress who plays Tanya, maybe this isn't her fault at all. Maybe it's the fault of everything that went into this film. But I thought she was horrendous. Everything just feels like it's being read. All the kids were. Yeah. They were all totally flat and horrible. I'd argue even Tobin Bell doesn't give a shit. The whole thing, he's like, can we get this done? The thing is, Tobin Bell has so much ingrained gravitas, yeah. just from his gravelly voice and his look, that he kind of seems like he's good even when he's not trying. <laughs> and he didn't seem like he was trying here. Tobin Bell is there to do what Tobin Bell does, and that's say, let's play a little game. And y'all should have known that, you know, you can't trust Tobin Bell to have to play a game with you. It's not going to end well. Why was this movie set in the 80s? For what reason other than to maybe try to cash in on, like, Stranger Things and every other nostalgic thing? It's, once again, just another cheap way to get past the cell phone thing, you know, because there's points you're like... 
anybody would have used their cell phone here. Plus, there's the question of if you're in a dream world that you get to through a phone, what happens if you call someone on your cell phone while you're in the dream world, which actually may have been a more interesting thing, you know? But yeah, I think it's really just horror movies right now are super obsessed with being set in the 80s. We watched one recently called Vicious Fun that we liked quite a bit that was set in the 80s for no real good reason, but I'm kind of glad they did because it kind of fit the ambiance of it. Here, it just felt like because the director is copying from so many 80s films that it only felt appropriate to set it then. Even the soundtrack, it's like there's hints very early on that like, okay, we're going to go full 80s with a sim soundtrack and that goes out the door immediately yep. it comes back to do a little pop in and be like oh i'm still here and then it leaves just again for what's ultimately so generic i felt bad because i asked my girlfriend to watch this i'm like hey let's watch a movie together <laughs> it's scary you love horror movies i love horror movies i've never heard of this one i'm sure it'll be good oh honey let's waste our evening watching this and now you're single. <laughs> <laughs> now she stuck with him through the teddy bear with the tiny head. She'll stick through that horror film. So, <laughs> sorry, callback reference to many other. It's back there. One of us somewhere. Videos. I'm sure it is. It's hiding, <laughs> waiting. I have so many questions that there are clearly no answers for that I just thought about watching this. Like they set up. Oh well, they ran a childcare in a house that's filled with like fucking crazy looking skulls and witchcraft (laughs) stuff and weapons and shit like no they didn't (laughs) what the fuck you know i was a good person before all this shit happened and then evil took over my soul it's like didn't they say that was like a year ago did you call an interior decorator to match your new mood there's an endless amount of stuff here i could bitch about like anachronisms like as adrian pointed out there's a tekken 5 video game oh my god and they're like dude this is not tekken 5 what (laughs) that just just shows they don't care they cared enough to blur it out a little bit that's early on too and i was so disliking the movie that i just couldn't help like i've seen that logo in the arcade i've seen that a million times i paused it i told my girlfriend i'm gonna do an investigation right now yep tekken (laughs) 5 i knew it (laughs) that was not in 87 adrian final thoughts I truly felt embarrassed while watching this due to the fact that it has like, what, 15, 20 producers on it or something like that. It really feels like this is kind of, this might be a tax write-off or something because I can't, for the life of me, understand the purpose of this movie existing. Even the house that they film in, it's like, well, let's just get every spirit Halloween prop that we can possibly get (laughs) and just put it everywhere. There's nothing original about this. I feel bad for Lin Shay and Tobin Bell being in this because they're being used as the selling point for this movie. And hey, it worked on me. That's why I'm fucking reviewing it right now (laughs) because I wanted to see them. It's not fun enough to be so bad it's worth watching to make fun of. Because ultimately, it's just boring as shit. This is just a bad movie that I can't find any kind of like thing to give it some kind of respect. This was a waste of time, and I truly, truly disliked it. I'm going to give this one one real hard smack with a rock that <laughs> just came out of nowhere uh, out of five. Luane? I've said this before on some of these reviews where we've been really hard on a movie. I don't do this because I want to bitch about the movies, right? Like, this looked like a good movie. This looked like a thing I would be into. That's why we did it. None of it works. We can keep bitching about all the little points here or there, but none of it works. This thing is the first one draft out of the five more passes that should have been done to this script before it ever saw a camera. 
We are all exactly on the same page here. I mean, usually, at least with Adrian, although we agree more than we don't, he'll like have a review where like, uh-huh, uh-huh, he'll be like, well, I'm not with you on that one. But with this one, like every word out of your mouth, I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> check mark, check mark, all of those things. I, this is embarrassing. Lynch and Tobin Bell don't give a fuck. They got paid. They went home. They'll never think about this fucking movie again. It's not like they had a big press junket for it where they had to go. I really loved working with, I bet you that never happened. I'm certain that never happened and probably wouldn't of even if it hadn't come out during COVID times. You know, she has this impassioned, powerful monologue sequence that you're like, God, you are the most underrated actress. I swear to God, I feel so terrible. You're all, you're forced to just work in horror. You're an older scream queen because you could be in anything. You're so good. And she wasted that energy and that time and that work for this fucking piece of shit. More and more and more, my heart sunk watching this going, it's really that bad. And you think, oh, okay, well now at least it's getting to like the stuff, the creepy horror, nightmare dream stuff. And it's just embarrassingly terrible, like terribly shot. The monsters you said, they're just people with like black shit coming out of their mouth. You know, there's no, there's not an ounce of creativity. The only creativity here at all is whoever actually owned the house that the person who found it for them to film in was that cause like, Hey, that's a cool house, man. I'd totally live in that fucking place. Nice. But that's about it. I'm going to give it one and a half out of 10 times. I wish I could have been watching Adrian squirm next to his girlfriend. It seems <laughs> feeling bad for making her watch it. it. It was more of a like, don't worry. We're going to go to bed and we're going to knock out soon. Just let it end. I was even thinking like, should I forward it? And I thought, no, I have integrity and I really fucking wish I didn't. 